Pizza? Pizza? Pizza! Hungry for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha. Aloha, I'm Billy V, and this is Island Beat. The Hawaii International Film Festival is coming up soon with an amazing lineup. It kicks off with The Wind and the Reckoning, which is set to make its Hawaii debut. The film centers on the real-life events of the 19th century leprosy outbreak and the events of the Ko'olau Rebellion in Hawaii. I went to Boston Film Festival for the world premiere and got to talk to the people behind the movie. In this episode of Island Beat, we'll talk to two of the movie stars, Jason Scott Lee and Lindsay Watson. What about the story and character of Ko'olau um, attracted you to this project? I, I think that the, the in, injustice of the story, um, where uh, a common Hawaiian citizen was uh, taken against their will, or would be taken against their will, uh, for an, an issue that, that could be overlooked. Um, and I think uh, having the at the time, the new provisional government coming in and stepping in and, and making new laws that uh, required uh, citizens to, to fall under their rules, um, I think was, to me, such an injustice and such an um, overbearing um, uh, issue that, that, that people suffered. <laughs> What was the most challenging part about playing this role? I think there were a lot of difficulties in playing the role, um, uh, both physically and um, uh, culturally. And uh, but I think what stands out uh, most significantly is the language. Um, not being a native Hawaiian speaker, uh, learning the language, but not just the Hawaiian language, but um, the period to which the language was being uh, spoken. And I think uh, in, in Hawaii, when you hear Hawaiian language on the radio or on the TV, it's very different from what uh, this period was like. And uh, I feel learning it was, was not half bad, but performing it under all the circumstances of lights and camera action rolling and all that, um, that, was, that was daunting. But, I mean, it must have been a little bit stressful. Oh, completely. I mean, I, I, I actually called the director, David Cunningham, before production uh, because we were on such a tight schedule. We were given like maybe two weeks, two to three weeks to learn the language and perform it. And uh, I called him and said, you know, I think you should have a, get a native speaker um, to perform this role because I don't want to botch it. You know, I, I have too much respect for the Hawaiian culture and, and, and the people. And uh, I would rather have someone else, you know, take the mantle of this, this role. And he said, no, no, you just hang in there, you know. Uh, we'll actually have another extra week um, before we start using the Olelo Hawaiian language uh, for the film. And, you know, we'll give you some padding, but stay with us, you know. Uh, you got this and that and that. So I said, yeah. I said, you know what? I said, okay. You know, I was trying to keep my faith in, in myself and, and in the, the production. and. And hopefully it'll work out, and and and, and thankfully it, it did um, in a big way. You've 
played so many big roles in amazing films. How does this one fit into there? I mean, is this one of your most challenging? Are you happy about the, the, your role in, in this movie? I think, looking back on my career and looking at all the roles I've done, it, it, it's probably one of the most pivotal uh, in my career. Um, maybe it's because where I am in my age and, you know, and, and that, but also the, um, the content of this film uh, around how passionate I was performing the role. Um, I think it, 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 it created a, a dynamite effect. And I think after watching the film uh, for myself and being very critical of all of my work, it's one of the most outstanding films I've done. Talk about the COVID bubble for a little bit because you guys were all sequestered together basically. And did that being together help with making of this film? I think it, it was kind of a necessity in, in a way to make this film within, within that bubble um, because of the budget constraints. I mean, you didn't have to travel. There was no transportation. It's like you walked, you woke up in the morning, you walked to the makeup, you walked to the set. Yeah, and and uh, majority of the, the scenes took place on this 40-acre property. Um, and I think it also provided this kind of camaraderie among the cast and the crew where there are no, there are no fancy things, you know. We were all kind of clamping it in a way. Um, and we had, you know, a lot of people were in yurts and living, you know, with those conditions. Um, but I think we were very happy because we knew that what we were doing, what was on the page in the script, uh, was phenomenal. And I think it was so streamlined and, and so simple in its, in its effect uh, dramatically that, that, that we were all on board and we were all committed like thousand percent. And the crew and it was, we were, they were top notch. I mean, they were just crackers when it came to like, we shot without, you know, a lot of lighting, just natural lighting and uh, no, no big cranes, booms. And we're doing a period piece, mind you. So even, you know, when you look at all those, those uh, the collective of the combinations of things that, that occur to actually make this film and, and look at it and feel like it's not rushed or anything, it, it, it's phenomenal. What are your thoughts about, you've got a director who's not native Hawaiian ethnicity directing this, it's a very Hawaiian story, how do you feel about it? Um, I think I always say, you know, the proof is in the pudding. And you look at the film, and whether it's Nikki Caro doing Mulan, or whether it's David Cunningham doing Wind in the Reckoning, they get it. He gets the culture. He gets the protocols that need to take place. He respects the culture, and he grew up in the culture. And I think, you know, we always say, oh, if we're local, that guy's a brother. And you know what? David Cunningham's a brother. I mean, I, you know, and he feels it. And I think that that's what makes the big difference. He feels it and he cares. And I think, you know, that's why he was able to pull together all these local uh, technicians and artisans together to make it happen. The guy is sincere, man. As someone who is a blend of Chinese and Native Hawaiian ancestry, uh, you're raising your family in one of the most diverse states in the United States. Um, are there bridges between ethnicities and cultures that you're teaching your children? 
Of course. Um, uh, because of my career and all the ethnicities I've played through the years and all the places I've traveled to, you know, I often consider myself a citizen of the world. And, and that, that is something that I convey to my kids. Like, you know, go out, uh, live in these different cultures, experience these people who have all these different religions. I said, understand them, you know, um, greet them openly, understand them, and uh, decide for yourself, like, where you, where, where you are comfortable. Um, you know, the, uh, it's just keep an open mind, keep an open heart, um, and that is the diversity that, you know, I grew up in. We grew up in a, a multiracial uh, time when um, we always joked around, joked about people's ethnicities. And it was never offensive. It was, it was always in good jest and good fun. And, and now there's such high sensitivity towards, you know, saying something or joking about something. And, and uh, we always did it, you know, we always had good heart, you know, a, a good place for it because uh, the other fellow who was of another race or another culture and stuff never took offense to it. We always thought, hey, we stood where we stood. We have differences, but we can, you know, make fun of it. We can joke about it. And, um, and I think, you know, my kids having that uh, uh, multiracial effect as well, you know, um, coming from so many different places. My three children were born in three different places. Uh, my, my first child was born in Hawaii, my second child was born in Singapore, my third child was born in San Diego. So it's like, you know, we, we kind of are what we are. It's like, and, and, and they have Hawaiian roots, they have, you know, uh, Singaporean roots. And um, it's much like, uh, um, you know, the scenes in, in Wind and the Reckoning when uh, Koalau tells his son about, you know, hey, you know, the, uh, is Uncle, Uncle Ahaole? And he has to think about that and answer that, you know, what does that mean to him? Um, is it just the color of the skin or is it something deeper? What are you hoping people take away uh, after seeing this movie? Boy, there are so many amazing themes in this movie and so many messages. Um, and, and, and positive, profound messages. Um, I think they should take in all of that um, and just experience it, you know, in the way of, of a good story, a good yarn, you know, like, um, and, and, and all the morals that come with it and all the injustices that, that are portrayed and uh, the history uh, of the place and the people uh, that are being portrayed, and also the this one family story of 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 uh, courage and uh, almost heroism, you know, in the face of adversity. I think this is the biggest film with the most Olala Hawaii. Are you hoping this serves as a stepping ground for other people to see to make more movies of this kind? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, Hawaii has has such a, a amazing artistic you know, uh, community and, you know, as well as uh, athletic, you know, the, the athletic communities make, you know, these, these kids coming out of Hawaii are fantastic, um, as well as the arts. You know? and, and, and I think, uh, um, I think it needs more infrastructure to really kind of like take its hold and take its place where it gives these young people an opportunity. Uh, and I think hopefully this film has the caliber of, of status uh, that 
it can it can come up to that uh, it would encourage that more and actually uh, you know allow more funding to come through in the arts in Hawaii. Was there a favorite moment, uh, a memorable moment in making this film for you? Oh, um, I remember a lot of screaming, yelling, because my, my family hates geckos. And we, <laughs> we were sleeping on the floor on these futons and like, and it was, you know, this area called Kapa'ao on the northern Kohala coast of uh, the Big Island. And, uh, you know, when you're at sea level, it's, it's, <laughs> and all those creatures start coming around. But, um, as the filming side goes, um, it was just interesting to see everyone pitch in. Like on, on a big film, the f big films I've done, you know, the one union takes care of that, one union takes care of this. And it was just to see everybody kind of wearing multiple hats. Um, you know, I see one of the producers up on the hillside, like hacking away this bushes to clear this scene, you know, out of this uh, Haleko and like, and then, uh, you know, see the director carrying camera boxes and like, you know, schlepping things up and down these, these, these big steep hills. And it was just that, that, that kind of, um, uh, as we say in Hawaii, kokua, that kind of helping each other out. Uh, those things warm my heart because it's the things that, that make this business worthwhile. And, you know, the business side can be very harsh. So when you see people coming together, and joining hands and, and real in real kind of like brother sisterhood kind of thing. It's like so pono, you know, as we say, it's so righteous. In the movie, you have your character has leprosy. How was that to pull that out and portray that? You know, I've been to the settlement of Kalopapa a couple of times in the past before I even knew about this film. Um, and there's always, you always heard about the storylines and, and the people who, who've lost loved ones to, to that place. And then you see some of the remaining uh, victims of, of, of leprosy um, there and uh, you hear their stories. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like that first panic when when COVID hit and people were dropping like flies, you know, once you hear you got it, you think it's a death sentence. Um, so playing to that effect, playing to that 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 uh, hey man, this is I don't know how long this ride is going to go on for, but it, I'm not going to go that long. Um, so I think playing to that with the effect of of, of you know knowing my my son in the picture. Uh, has it as well. Um, just I think all those thoughts, you know, as an actor, you just kind of go through all the thoughts of like, you know, what if my wife gets it? What, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to carry on? It's like, um, I think those are the, 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 the streams of thinking that happen, um, as well as the history of, of uh, where we come from, uh, knowing the stories behind that. Anything else you want to add about the film itself? Uh, looking at a lot of films that have come out in the past, this is, I think, an incredibly pivotal, pivotal dynamic film that, that just needs to be seen. 
it's I think it's, it's highly educational for the for the greater uh, communities um, and you know, on an international scale. Um, there's so much poignancy and 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 it's so timely, uh, even though the story takes place in late 1800s. It, 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 it's a story for today, and it's a story to understand a lot of the biases and, and injustices that we're experiencing right now. Um, so, and it's just a it's incredible feeling that has meaning, yeah. And in this day and age of, of of TikTok and like all this like social media flash things. It has weight, it has meaning, it has, you know, it has purpose. And I think there's very few things in the cinematic world at this moment that carry that. First of all, tell me where do you live and tell me about the island just real briefly. I mean, tell me about home. Okay, home, home is Maui. Um, I was born and raised in Maui, in Kula, up in the mountain, so nowhere near the beach. Uh, my whole family is pretty much back there except for my sister. And then I went to school, Kamehameha Schools, Maui, graduated 2013, and then I moved to LA. So home now is LA, but home, home will always be Hawaii. What about the character of Pi'ilani inspired you personally? Oh man. When I read her story, I mean, I think anyone who reads it will notice the biggest thing about her, which is what draw, drew me to her, is her resilience. So, I mean, between the fact of the time that they were living, when, you know, through the overthrow and all of these things going on, it was hard as a Hawaiian back then, in general, just to live. And then to add in this fact of leprosy and the PG government, you know, coming in, taking away your family, to know that she was the one in this story who didn't have leprosy, who had to take care of her husband and her son had to wake up every day knowing that they were actively dying and she wasn't. And to choose to run off, to protect your family, to fight to the end was what really drew me to Pi'ilani, that she was never gonna give up. She was gonna stick with her family. Her values were more important than this new government that was coming in and taking over, taking away their land. So everything about her, I, 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 I mean, I hope to be one day, you know? And so being able to jump into that role and embody her, be in that world, feel that feeling, it was just incredible. What was challenging about playing this there's nothing more challenging than the language. I will always say was the biggest part for me as an actress was getting into this entire different language. I was born and raised in Hawaii. I was familiar with the language. I went to Kamehameha schools, we knew it, but nothing is like being fluent in the way that they were and having to pass that off that I could speak it and it was my own. And as a Hawaiian in this modern day and as an actress, you wanna make sure you're doing right by the culture, doing right by the people. So I put that weight on my shoulders and it was very stressful. I mean, we filmed this movie in four weeks tops and I only had a two week prep to do this, to learn all these lines, to get into that world. And then on top of that, we wanted to make sure we were being accurate to the time period and where they were from. So 
we did hours and hours of training and prep with our kumus. And so getting on screen, trying to be in the moment, acting, be present. And as you see, Pete Lani has a lot of heavy, heavy scenes. And doing it in another language, I was stressed to say the least. <laughs> but, you know, Jason and I looked at each other at the end and we were so proud of ourselves to know that we did that. You know, being a Hawaiian, that's a huge feat and a Hawaiian actress. That's something, I mean, I would have never imagined I would have an opportunity to do. When I was talking with Jason, he did mention how stressed that you were that you had to <laughs> slow down. Everybody, everybody, even Every, Everyone. Yeah, I mean, Kaiyao, who is literally fluent, I mean, it's it's very different when you're speaking another language and acting. So that's that was what was hard for me because anyone who knows Hawaiian or is going to try to learn Hawaiian, it's a very difficult language to speak and there's a cadence to it. And I always remember when I was with Kumu, there were certain lines as an actor that I would be like, oh, I'd probably break it up here and you know take a moment. She was like, nope, one breath. You have to say this whole line in one breath. That's the proper way to speak Hawaiian. And I'm like, Oh, okay, like how do I marry the two? And so having to like slow down to remember your lines, to know what you're saying, you know, as an actress, normally I'm speaking English, so I know what I'm saying, I can follow along. Like knowing the translations and keeping up, like forced you to slow down to make sure you were staying present in the moment because again, this is a heavy, heavy story. I mean, it's not your lighthearted story. It's not your finding Ohana. So it was something that as actors, you had to realize that slowing down is what was gonna get us to the end. Talk about another challenge of doing this movie. There was COVID and you were confined to a <laughs> small space yes. together as cast and crew. Talk about that. That was, honestly, it was scary in the beginning when I heard about it, they were like, First of all, two weeks you have to come in and quarantine in this one place by yourself. And after that, four weeks, we're gonna live on one property. You cannot go off or come back. You cannot leave, you're in a bubble. So any human hearing that who's so used to going along like with your life, it was scary. And then also they were like, we're also um, on this edge of the island that doesn't have Wi-Fi, uh, not much TVs, anything. I was like, okay, all right, I got this. So we got in, it ended up being the most wonderful experience. We were so lucky that the cast and crew that agreed to do this, I, everyone was there with a good heart. Everyone wanted to just tell the story. And when we got there, we blended like no other immediately. Campfires, hanging out by the pool, like you would have never noticed that we were all trapped in this bubble. I will say the funny time when we all went out for the first time, it was like, oh, a person, oh, a car. Like we were so weird when we left because we we're like, Man, I didn't really realize like when you're isolated that long, because we were on this piece of land, 55 acres, like you don't see people, you don't see cars, you don't see anything. So when we finally went out, it was crazy. But I was so lucky. Imagine if we had a not great crew, a not great cast, it would have been very different, but we were a family. I know that during Finding Mohana, you have your family members on set, so it must have been an anxiety for them not to hear from you for so long. Yes, they were so weirded out by this because I was like, 
I can't really even call you because the service is bad. I mean, it was constantly spotty, trying to keep up. It was actually great. I could see Maui from our sets, where we lived. I could see it across the way and I'm like, hi mom, hi dad. <laughs> but yeah, no communication. I mean, my friends, my family, nothing for four weeks. So they became my friends and family for that time and it was awesome. Um, what style or approach did the director take with you as oh. far as the acting? David's awesome. He's just, his biggest thing was making sure we had the right information and we knew our characters. And from there, he gave us a ton of space to be creative. This movie, we because we did it in COVID and we had a, such a short amount of time, we really stripped down the script and kind of got it to the raw meaty part of it, which as actors is awesome. I mean, we got to really sit there with our scenes and our lines. And as you watch, you'll feel a lot of that heavy still moments which is what we focused in on so david he was just like let's prep i'll give you guys the information talk to me to like what are you thinking who do you think Pilani is like how would she feel in this moment what's her priorities what are her motivations and from there he was like all right like he let us go and the only thing that was really there was our kumus on set to ensure that we were staying accurate with our language, and besides that, David was awesome. It's fun as an actress to have a director who gives you space to work. I mean, that's my job. <laughs> what advice do you have for up-and-coming indigenous women who want to get into the entertainment industry? I think that is so important. Like, that, having indigenous people in this industry, the best part is, this is the time, like now is the time. A few years ago, they wouldn't even take the time to see us, they saw no importance with us and now there's this changing tide that's happening where they're seeing us for once, they want to hear our stories and it's finally kind of breaking through. So right now, what we need is as much people to come, as many indigenous women, men, any of them to come and tell the stories. I mean, bef behind the camera, in front of the camera and that's the only way we're gonna be able to get our stories out. Stories like this, like, Nothing makes me more frustrated than hearing from my industry that I work in, that I love so much, that, oh, your culture or this is not marketable, you know? And it's because they don't know anything about us. They don't know how powerful we are. They don't know how big of a population and how talented we are. So the more and more people that come to join this industry, like, we can band together and show them what Polynesians and indigenous people in general, I mean, we have Native Americans who support this movie, which is so awesome. I mean, that just, like, makes my heart so happy to see everyone coming together to know that these stories are important and they need to be told and told by us. Like, I love all the people who came in that you know might not be part of Hawaii but our cast and crew honestly were like 99% Hawaii based people Hawaiians from Hawaii cast crew behind the camera in front of the camera so to me having these people come in to tell these stories is the only way we're going to be heard Tell me a favorite moment about filming. Give me, I'm sure you have many. Oh my God. Tell for me one moment. Favorite part of filming? Oh, horse riding. Okay. No one knows this, oh, except for everyone who got to watch this and know this. I'd never rode a horse before in my life. Uh, before I got to sit, they like called me and they're like, so you're going to have to ride a horse. I was like, funny story. I've never been on a horse. So they set up two lessons for me. I mean, like an hour. So two hours I had lessons to ride a horse and that was essentially like, this is how you get on a horse and this is how you trot around. And they're like, but 
when we film, we need you to go, what do they call it, canter, full canter, which is like a fast speed. And you're gonna be on a cliff edge. And if you don't stop your horse in time, you're going over the cliff. So I was like, cool, yeah, no. They're like, we could do a stunt double, but it's gonna be so beautiful to have your face. And I'm, I'm just, I'm me and I'm ridiculous. So I was like, I got this, no worries. Two days of training, get to set. It's quite literally a cliff edge down into the ocean. And they're like, action. I get on, I mean, me, Jason, at least Jason, he's had training and he had Kahiao on his back. And I went, I did it, did like two takes. And on top of that, we had to like turn these horses and send them off. It was supposed to be beautiful. Apparently horses um, are very moody. And so these horses were not listening. Like, we're like, okay, come on, like, just get out of here. Like me and Jason were having the hardest time, but movie magic when it shows in the movie it looks beautiful and it really actually played out well and it looks like i rode a horse before i'd like to say i was pretty uh good as an actress i was acting <laughs> the hawaii film festival opens november 3rd look for more details on our hawaii news now digital platforms mahalo for listening to island beat